This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, joined as always by the man himself fixing his headphones and his glasses. It's Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. I was, uh, I, I thought I could get all that done before you said go, but apparently not. Thank you, uh, Tyler. It, it's so cool to be here today. Uh, we, we were just, before you hit record, we were having a little bit of fun and talking with our guest and, uh, I just I was having these mental flashbacks of so many funny times that we've had have shared over the years and uh, really looking forward to today and uh, loving the fall, man. It, it, even where I'm at, it's cooling off a bit. I kind of feel that change. And I was up in Michigan this week and it, it was really fallish. It was 60 degrees. The leaves are changing a bit and uh, it was raining. So. Uh, it's hard to complain yeah. when things are like are. that. Now the high here in Dallas where I am is still in the nineties today. So, you know, you, you make the best out of it, but you mentioned our guest, Greg, let's introduce her. Her name is Sarah Hopfer or Sarah Clark, depending on how you know her and how long you've known her, but she's in marketing and recruiting. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us here on straight out of Crumpton. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are excited to have you, Greg, tell us a little bit about Sarah and why she's on the podcast here with us today. Well, Sarah and I have been uh, friends. We've been um, workmates. We've been everything over the last. I, I was trying to think, Sarah, earlier how many years it had been. But since you'll know that because you were in college. Yeah. So I graduated in 2006. So okay. probably 2005, 2006 ish. Yep. So right around the beginning of 2006, we started talking and uh, oddly enough, we met at Thanksgiving dinner at my house. My that's my wife is a great holiday cooker, and she does really incredible holiday meals. She doesn't care to cook much in between the holidays, unfortunately, because she is a great cook. But excuse me, we were having uh, holidays, and we knew Sarah's parents. And Sarah was home on spring or on a fall break, yeah. I guess Christmas break. And uh, we just kind of interacted a bit at the house and uh, over some turkey and dressing. And I'm like, man, that girl's got something. I need to talk to her. So uh, according to Sarah, uh, my wife stalked her mother and got her Sarah's phone number. And uh, next thing you know, here we are in 2021 and we're still friends. So that is correct. Been a fun ride. So, Sarah, we, you know, we have been through, uh, you know, many years. Uh, you getting married. I, I remember it well, standing up on that hill uh, at the country club. And now you got a, a baby that I called a baby a while ago. She's seven, um, which just totally blows me away. Uh, you and I both. Yes. I just blinked and now she's seven. Yep. And um, it's just been fun. And, and you know, we talked th this whole podcast series started uh, talking about relationships and how our work relationships and our personal relationships a lot of times, and especially for me, tend to blend. I'm not very good at, at compartmentalizing my relationships because I like to hang out with the people I work with and I like to work with the people I hang out with. So, um, you know, it's just a very, it's personal for me because I don't do stuff half-assed very well. I do like zero or a hundred, uh, which gets me in trouble, but I'm okay with it. I think it's worth it for, for me anyway. 
But um, I just wanted to to start off and and kind of hearing your philosophy going back now, God, fifteen years or whatever, of uh, where you were that day in our kitchen to today, and how you have grown, obviously mentally, um, and in your career. How have you incorporated your personality traits into your career? And how do these relationships, because I know a lot of people that know you, how do you cascade that and compound that to get to a point to where, you know, here we are this many years, still friends, still help each other when we can, work-wise, family-wise, whatever's needed. How does that happen for you? What's what's your secret sauce? Sure. So I think that was like 12 questions in one. So it's, it's me. What can I tell you? Yeah, so I'll try to answer. First, I'll start with kind of how I got to where I am and then maybe go into some of the relationship pieces along the way. So um, like Greg mentioned, I met him at Thanksgiving dinner at his house and um, had a great time. He and Connie are such gracious hosts. And um, of course, I thought he was even more cool because at the time he lived directly across the hall from Julius Peppers, Carolina (laughs) Panther. So I was like, this is awesome. (laughs) Don't forget that detail. Um, so then he he had, had his wife reach out to my mom and my mom called me and said, hey, you know, Greg mentioned he wanted to talk to you about maybe working with him when you graduate. And I was like, OK. At the time I was at College of Charleston. First, I had no intention of moving back to Charlotte. And I also had no intention of working, working for an HVAC contractor. Nor a job offer, by the way. Correct nor a job offer. Um, I had no intention of working for an HVAC contractor because that is literally something I knew nothing about. So Greg and I continued to connect as I would come home. I finally graduated in December and we talked for a few months of, you know, what could this look like? I kind of took a pause after school and finally just thought, okay, like this is, sometimes you just have to take those leaps of faith in life and he seems like a really good guy with a very good business and model here that I really have the same values, those align. So let's let's kind of do it. So we worked together for about four years and I did business development and marketing. Got to a point where the sales side of it wasn't as exciting to me, but I really liked the marketing side. So um, talked to Greg a little bit and I said, hey, I think I'm going to go explore just pure marketing. I don't think he talked to me for a little while after that. He was a little upset, um, which I totally understood because we were like truly a family and worked together so close and so well. So since then, I have been kind of on the marketing slash strategic planning and now a little bit of recruiting side in the accounting world. Um, And to say who I was then and who I am today is drastically different. Um, I think that I learned a lot of the most valuable lessons working with Greg and on that airtight team that you I've noticed a lot of people just don't get. And some of it seems like it is common sense. And some of it is just having somebody truly mentor you. Um, one of the things Greg would always say, if you're five minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And so that's something that has always stuck with me the entire time I've been in my career. And Truly valuing people's time and respecting that has been something that's been really important. Um, 
And so through this career path and along the way, I think that I have learned the value of relationships, making sure that you treat people well, regardless of the situation and always doing what you think is right. Um, not compromising your values and what you believe in for a particular work situation, whether that's in or out of the office, um, has been really important. And, you know, it speaks very much to where my husband and I are both in our careers now that my second boss after Greg, where I went, um, she made the introduction for me to my current employer where I'm at. Um, and Greg made the introduction to my husband for his current employer where he's at. And I think that that truly shows the power of strong relationships, staying connected with people, helping each other out for the right reasons. And um, that's really invaluable. Yeah, Sarah, that, that's so well said. Um, while you were talking, I remember your second set of business cards. Um, I think the first ones were pretty benign. They were like, you know, sales and marketing or whatever. Oh, yes. You remember your second set, what it said? I do. So Greg sent me to <laughs> a, a Gittimer, uh training. And gittimer has been on here with us, too. Yeah. And I watched some of his podcasts and, and Gittimer said, OK, hold up your business cards. Now rip them in half. They're all crap. <laughs> And I was like, whoa, okay. So I came back and I said, all right, Greg, my title is no longer sales consultant or whatever it is. I said, it's sales rock star and marketing diva. <laughs> he was like, okay, go get them printed. And I was like, this is awesome. This is my title. That's so cool. And you know, um, another funny story, and I hope to have this lady join us on a, on a future podcast, but the lady that brought those business cards to our office was Rachel. And we wound up hiring Rachel and she worked with us forever before she had a kid. So, Love that. Uh, and, and we're still friends and uh, she dog sits for my family up in uh, near where Sarah lives in North Carolina, or they actually live in South Carolina. And um, so it's just one more, you know, relation that, that has stayed intact, in but I'm really proud Sarah and, and everybody, I'm proud of the fact that we had a culture uh, and I still try to live by that culture uh, to Sarah's point. You, you do the right thing. Uh, yeah, we screw up sometimes, but you try to correct it as quickly as you can and you move on. And, um, and I think that's a testament to the fact that we still care for each other and would do damn near anything to help each other. And we have over the years. So good stuff. You know, one thing I always valued Greg, and I didn't realize how great it was until I was had different bosses was just the directness of communication. And, you know, I always know where I stand with Greg. And if you do something great, he's going to tell you if you totally screw something up, you know, and you go tell him. And there's a lesson and, a, and something to learn of how could I have changed it. And I've had bosses since that you don't know where you stand. And they'll sit there and give you feedback for 20 minutes. And then at the end of it, it's, okay, what were you just trying to tell me? Because I've got no clue what you just said. And it's, okay, you screwed up. All right, well, you could have told me that 20 minutes ago. Um, so I've really learned the value of that direct comp, like communication and feedback and making sure that folks are, are in the loop on what you're thinking and how things are going so that there's no you know, gray area afterward. And so that I think it's like an art of communication on how you 
talk to people, make sure that you're, you're on the same page and just trying to make them a better person along the way. Well, you know, we, we hear a lot now about EQ and people's uh, ability to communicate with each other and how I communicate with Tyler may be different, how I communicate with you, Sarah. It's on the person doing the communication to figure that out. You, you can't help how you hear stuff. Tyler can't help how he absorbs stuff. It's just, it's his DNA. So it's up to me. And, and remember, we did all the, the disc profiles and all that stuff. So you understand the best way to communicate with you, whichever one I'm talking to. So you try to tailor that conversation to the way it's going to make the most impact because it doesn't take any additional oxygen for me to say one word versus the other, but it's how it impacts you. And, you know, I've had, I've had uh, a shitty boss before too. Uh, luckily I don't right now. And um, it's no fun when you don't know, you know, it's like you're almost directionless and, it's just good. You know, my dad taught me the art of clear, concise communication because he only used like 10 words a day. Uh, so you should listen to him. Um, there was no bullshit with that guy. He just said what he said. And, you know, he wasn't an EQ guy. So he said it in the way he was going to say it. So you had to figure out what that meant. And, you know, nobody has time for all that crap. You don't want to filter through, okay, what, what, you know, it's like, what did that mean? Like you said, 20 minutes later, you're like, oh, I, I don't know. And uh, yeah, I have no clue what you do or just trying to tell me. It just saves a lot of time. But, you know, I used to think, okay, brutal honesty. Well, now I still think honesty, but you just have to use brutal doesn't work anymore. Um, it shouldn't, shouldn't work anymore, but it, like unfiltered honesty with the right touch, I think is, is so important. So I was actually coaching one of our employees yesterday. I had sent something to her and she's relatively new at the company. And she didn't tell me that it's something as simple as a headshot. So I was trying to get our headshots updated on the website. I've only met her in person one time. She sits in a different office, so I don't fully know what she looks like. And um, I decided, hey, these look a little bit too washed out. So I sent her an updated version. She was like, oh, this is so much better. You can actually see my freckles in it. And I said, well, why didn't you tell me it didn't look like you, the first version? And she's like, well, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I said, no. And she's younger in her career. And I said, it's all about the delivery. It's all about how you say something so that it is heard in the right way. And, you know, it's it's welcomed. And I said, you never have to sugarcoat anything with me. You could have just IM me and say, Hey, this looks nothing like me. You need to fix it. Well, you know, a lot of that has to do with your personality because you grew up with an in an affirmation type environment. You know, you weren't mistreated or you weren't talked down to uh, often. Uh, so, you know, we grow up understanding that you, you know, you had unconditional love, and a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. You know, of telling somebody because they don't want to hurt your feelings because maybe their feelings got hurt a lot. And um, it, it's just, it's an interesting science of trying to figure out the communication of people and what they mean and what they don't mean. And, you know, with all good intent, she didn't want to hurt your feelings, but you wound up having to have that conversation anyway. Well, that's something too, that has definitely 
evolved with my style over time of that brutal honesty and lack of filter where things would just instantly come out. And I've had to realize perhaps that's not always appropriate with a little coaching from my husband and parents and others. Like you can't always say exactly what you're thinking. So it has taken me this long in life and my career to kind of pause. Let's think through this. Is this exactly, is this going to come across how I want it to, or maybe I should just sit on it and think about it tomorrow. So you ask kind of what's one of those things that's evolved you know, over the 15 years. And that is certainly one of them. And now with parenting a little one, I mean, talk about no filter. That child has no filter. (laughs) And I have to tell her like, it's okay to say that, but it's how you say it. You have, you can't just blurt everything out. Like it's not necessarily what you say. It is how you say it. Yeah. Well said. You know, I was, I said earlier, I was up in Michigan this week and um, I was up there for work and, you know, both of you guys know that a big part of my, uh, I guess the part, the point I'm at in my career is I try to help a lot of young people in the skilled trades arena, you know, which is what I'm passionate about. And uh, in particular, the air conditioning field, because that's literally all I know how to do in life. Um but I was working with a young guy. He's he's 29, which means in girl years, he's 19 because we males don't mature quite as quickly. But what a great kid. And uh, so we're sitting in the car in the I had a rental car. We're sitting in there and he's doing his electronic paperwork, filling out what we did on the site and what have you. And, and uh he handed me the iPad and he said, read this and, and see if this is accurate. I said, no, no, no. Here's a moment. You read me what you typed and let's make sure it comes across the right way. And he looks at me and I'm like, this is much more important than what you did out behind the building on the equipment. Because look at it as I'm the owner of this building. I don't know squat about air conditioning. So present to me what you did and how you did it and why I should feel good about it. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, the part that the client sees. Yeah, exactly. The, 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 you know, the end user facing piece. And he had never thought of it that way because nobody had taken the time to tell him. And he's really good. He's going to be fabulous with his career. And he's really good technically. But just that, that, that piece of it, you know, it was just, he wasn't aware yet. And, um, so it was just one of those cool moments where you, you're able to, you know, I mean, it, hell, it took five minutes out of our life, but it was just one more nugget for him to take back in, into his toolbox when he goes to the next site without me being there. Um, and and now he thinks about it again, like, OK, I, I want to make sure that I relay the proper information in a good way. And and now we've you know had a couple of text exchanges over the last few days. It's really cool to see that development, and I'll, that's a part of my uh, job, which I, I call it a job. Hell, it's not a job. I, if, if Tony and Tim, if y'all are listening, I would do this job for free, but I'm not telling you that. So if you want to keep me on the payroll, that's fine. But I'm in such a good place uh, to be able to help do stuff like that and, and give back to the community that's got me, you know, to the great life that I get to live. So really fun stuff. That's one small little nugget that he can take into every type of work that he does. 
Yep. Always take a take a pause, look at it. Is it what you're trying to communicate? Is it going to come across the right way? And that's something just like my, he's going to remember that just like I remember my, if you're five minutes early, you're on time. Well, speaking of being on time, I always get a kick when I think about the first time you flew in an airplane. With you. With me. <laughs> and I had logged a lot of miles at that point in my life, so I was not afeard of flying, as they say. Um, so, Tyler, you, you would get a kick out of this because Sarah was a little bit nervous that day. And talking about being washed out, she looked washed out when we got to the airport. Oh, yeah. I don't do I don't like flying at all. And this was trip numero uno in her life, I think. Right. You had. No, flown I have flown many times. This was trip numero, no, numero uno. With me. With you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I, I we get in our seats and, and, you know, unlike you would normally do, you don't sit together with your workmate. But we sat beside each other just for fun. I, I booked the ticket. So I got to choose where she sat. Um so I took out the air sickness bag and I personalized it for her just in case she needed it. And uh, so every once in a while to this day, like a month ago, I'll take a picture of the, uh, I call it the yak sack that's in the pocket ahead of you. I just take a random picture of it and I'll just text it to her out of the blue. So one of my favorite little fun stories. I'm glad I didn't actually have to use it on that trip with you. Uh, <laughs> It has been used before. I just, I don't do flying well. I don't do turbulence. I don't do any of that stuff. Yeah, that that's definitely no fun. Well, tell us what's on your horizon. What do you, what do you think uh, Sarah 2.0 looks like? You got the kid, you got the career. I mean, are you, are you enjoying where you're at? What, what's, what's on your, and the reason I, this is really important to on my brain right now, I just got through reading, um, the book by Matthew McConaughey this week, the uh, it's called Green Lights. Great book if you guys haven't read it. But it was really in, intriguing of, of how his career developed and how he was intentional about stopping to do the romantic comedy and then going into a more serious role. Like I think the last rom-com he did was with Jennifer Lopez. And then he took a hiatus and then he came back as the Lincoln lawyer. And uh, the period between that was really instrumental in, in what he did in his life. So what what are you being intentional about, Sarah? What are you thinking about? So what I'm being very intentional about right now is quality time. And um, I'm actually reading a book called Sabbath, Sabbath in the Suburbs. And it is about how life is so busy and so go, 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 that if we blink, it's going to be gone. And all we have done the, the whole time is, you know, walk in circles, cleaning and going to work. And we haven't really slowed down to enjoy it. Um, so I think I got a huge lesson in that during COVID and being home with a little one and being forced to have that quality time and, and clear the calendar and really enjoy that. Um, and so I think that Sarah 2.0 is in a place that uh, I was not working full time during COVID. I had taken a step back from the corporate world because I was not enjoying what I was doing where I was. Um, and then COVID hit. And so it was kind of good timing anyway. So I had time to kind of work through and figure out what do I want to be doing. 
Um, I was doing some freelance work for a few clients, marketing, business development, social media stuff. And then my current role found me. Um, I was not at all looking or interested in going anywhere in particular full time. And it was just a really good fit because it fits with the lifestyle that I want. I want to be able to work really hard all day. And then I want to be a stellar employee. And then I want to be a stellar mom. And I want to be able to show my daughter that you can do both while not completely losing your mind, which is still a struggle sometimes. Um, But also I want to kind of slow down a little bit to stop and smell the roses and enjoy things and say yes to her more on her crazy ideas and things that she wants to do uh, because those are frequent and there's a lot of them. (laughs) Well, she's at that age too, to where, you know, it's meaningful. And yes. she's she's going to remember these years, unlike when you're two, you don't remember squat. But you remember seven, eight, nine-year-old stuff. And it's really cool that you're in a position to do that. Um, I don't know. I, I think the intentionality piece is really strong. And I was driving this morning, um, and I was thinking about remembering to say no more because I love to do and go and go and go and go. And, uh, you know, sometimes that gets your ass in the crack because you need to be able to like take time for a 10 o'clock podcast with people you like and not be so pressed. And so that was my mindset coming in. Well, my wife's parents have both had COVID and her mom's not doing as well as, as her dad. So, Connie's got to go back up to visit, spend a little time with them. So, uh, you know, my my karma got all juked up this morning when I had to suddenly book an American Airlines trip for Connie. And, of course, there was a problem with the account. Their points weren't there. So I was like, all right, well, so much for good karma this morning. We're going to go with gut. So you guys are getting guttural instinct instead of karma, uh, of calm karma. So. Well, I had a I had a coworker previously who she and we've stayed friends and I always thought it was the weirdest thing that she worked full time while her kids were younger. She said, I don't need to teach them to read and write and their ABCs and their one, two, threes. They're gonna learn that no matter what. I wanna be home when they go to school and they get off the bus. I want to be the person that's there after they've had a bad day or a wonderful day to that they can decompress to. And so that always really stuck with me. And so now I'm I'm working from home. I've got 30 minutes on my calendar that says bus stop so I can get her off the bus, get a snack set up for the day and or set up for the afternoon. She eats that while I finish up. And then we try to do fun things. And the, the book that I'm reading, one of the, I'm not going to quote it exactly correctly, but it said something along the lines of what if we started to look at the calendar as instead of marking days off and how many more do we have to go until the next thing, really looking at it as a journal and putting in the fun things that we've done. And so for me, that Sarah 2.0 is really trying to be much more intentional in relationships at work, in my family life, so that that balance, which I get the question all the time, how do you do it? How What's your work-life balance like? Well, it doesn't exist. It's one thing when she's home, 100% something different when she's gone. And it is truly 
you know, a cycle and a roller coaster that's always evolving. Yeah, that, that's so true. You know, you I hear a lot of the work life balance stuff and I'm, I'm not I don't, I don't have any of that because it all blends for me. That's just how my life is, is, is set up. And I've worked for either myself or in a position for others that I've been able to work when I kind of like, and I don't mean this in an egotistical way, but work when I wanted to, meaning, right. you know, Sunday night at, at 1030 might be what when I want to go write a report or whatever, just because I, I, I'm not normal. I don't, I don't function off a normal cal- or normal clock very well. And I think having that freedom is, is really important. But if I've got a dental appointment to go get my teeth cleaned at 1030, I might make two phone calls for work on the way and then call my sister on the way back to the office. And I just blend all that crap. I'm not, I'm not good at separating. I know a lot of people have to, you know, they, they want to be at work um, from, from eight to five or whatever. And and then they don't want to think about work again until the next morning. So it's just finding that rhythm that works for you and your, your family. And, you know, especially like you said, having a, a seven-year-old and, and, you know, with your sister's kids too. And, you know, there's plenty for you guys to do. Yeah. Um, and it's something that, you know, the balance is, this sounds really cheesy, but to me, the balance is a blessing because I have the ability, I have the ability to step out and take 30 minutes and get her off the bus and take her to dance and to gymnastics. And so it's really the trust from an employer that, I can take out and do take off and, you know, go do those things and I'm still going to get the work done. And so for me, you know, I don't want to be doing reports at 1030 at night. I want to be sleeping. But as long as you are getting the job done and doing well, it's always kind of been it doesn't matter how you do it or where you do it as long as it's getting done. And so that's kind of how I work through things, you know, while she's at dance and I had to take off work early to take her to dance. I kind of finish up in the car, whatever I had to do for the day and just kind of make it work because it's important to me that she sees, she sees mommy working, but it's not, hold on, I'm at work. Hold on. I've got to do this first because I don't want her to get the impression that this is more important than you. And so I try, while to me, it's constantly everything. Hopefully her perception is okay, mommy's done for the day. Now we're doing this. So hope I hope that, I guess I'll find out later in life if I've succeeded at this or not. I'm sure she'll let me know. Um, but, you know, so to me, it's very blended and constant. And hopefully to her, it's just natural that she is just as, she's more important. Um, and that I was successfully able to do both as well as, you know, volunteer and give back and show her, you know, there's things out there that are much bigger and more important than we are. And all of the things that as a parent, you try to lump everything together. Well, I bet, I bet you are doing a great job and and you'll be able to have that adult conversation one day and both of you be happy with it. And as far as getting people off the school bus and taking them to dance and all, I get that because I do that with Tyler all the time. And you got to make sure that they've got their snack and their water. It's just like taking care of your, of your podcast producer. It's the same, same ritual. So, well, Tyler, you're on mute, just FYI. And 
as as we've been talking, I've been watching you, and because uh, I'll, you know, you and I, right. we have developed this unique, weird friend bond over the last few years, and I I, I can tell when you're intrigued. I think, and and you've really listened to Sarah pretty intently, and and you guys are about the same age too. So, how how does all that strike you as a young man, young family man? Well, I, w- I want to go back to, Sarah, the beginning of your career when you first started working with and for Greg, because it was really interesting, the idea that this wasn't an industry necessarily that you wanted to work in. And, you know, as far as first jobs go, maybe not like something that immediately stood out of, yes, I want to do this. But then you kind of went on to explain how it provided the foundation for what you wanted moving forward and what to expect moving forward. And I wonder if that's not an example for other people coming out of college these days that you don't have to go and do the dream job right away. Find something that you're going to be able to learn from moving forward. Do do you find that maybe there's value in that, that, you know, you find a job that gives you a foundation and teaches you a lot moving forward so that as you kind of figure out a little bit more of what you want to do, you have, you know, knowledge in place, skills in place that you've learned from that first job. A hundred percent. And I think that kind of going into something that you truly know nothing about forces you to sit back and learn and to soak everything in that you possibly can. Um, It also, for me, being in the role that I was in doing sales, it gave me introductions to so many people that I have continued to stay in touch with probably the majority of on some level or another, even if it's just LinkedIn connections, you know, congratulating each other on an anniversary or something like that. Um, So, I mean, I think that if the opportunity arises, it is a company that you feel your values align with what you, what you want to get out of a role, not necessarily, um, it doesn't have to be the perfect fit. Um, But if the company is something that you believe in, in particular, your boss is someone that you think that you can really learn a lot from, I say, go for it. Um, you know, everybody I've heard in my career, people don't leave companies, they leave bosses, um, which is very true, except for in my case with Airtight. I truly like it hurt me. It hurt me to have to leave Greg. Like it was a huge major decision for me. Um, but I think that the more experienced folks can get, the better. And, and in particular, in different industries and in different areas, never did I think I would work for mechanical contractor. Never did I think I would work for an accounting firm. I don't know what I thought I would work for. Um, but those two industries are certainly not ones I thought I would go into. But the amount of knowledge that I have gained, the the just overall general business practices and, and way to be and act have been completely invaluable. And Tyler made an assumption. He said it may not be the dream job. Come on now. Maybe it was. I mean, Maybe. me and my little Dodge Nitro tooting around town was pretty cute. <laughs> I will say, it, to Greg, to Greg's, uh, whatever the word is, I, I don't know to this day, I still know much about HVAC, but my job was to meet people, build relationships, and make an introduction. So I could bring in the folks. I didn't have to learn all the mechanical things behind it. I was able, I had the team behind me that could come in and do that. 
Yeah. And, and I don't want to maybe paint with too broad of a brush, but maybe the the suggestion then, if I'm trying to think of a way to synthesize that down for, for college graduates or people looking for their first job is in your first job, rather than looking for doing something that you thought, oh, this is what I want to do, maybe look for the person that you want to learn from the most and try to work for people like that right off the bat so that then you can emulate things and, and kind of find your way in the world by emulating people that you respect. I think that that can be maybe a positive way of looking at, you know, how to enter into a career and that sort of thing. Absolutely. And I think that finding that, you know, what leader do you look up to? Now, you might not know them. You might have no clue how to connect with them. But who do you kind of follow and think that, hey, that would be really cool to kind of work for that person, learn from that person? Um you know, Greg has always been such a strong mentor and I really learned both sides of it from him. You know, one time we were in a meeting and all of a sudden he was like, all right, I'm done with this conversation. Get out. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, the meeting's over. We're done. I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. I guess uh, we're done with that part. But then on the flip side, Greg, I don't know if you remember this, but I sure do. Um, I broke up with a very long time boyfriend and I was a disaster for probably a little while. And I was trying to keep it together in the office. And one day he said, come on, we're going for a ride. I said, all right, where are we going? He said, I don't know, just get in the car. We're going to go for a ride. And we drove around and he said, you don't have to say anything, but I could tell you were having a hard day. And I, and we just needed to get out for a minute. And we just drove around our little uh, Monroe road area. And I think I bawled like a baby. And then we got back to the office and I pulled it together. So I think that those two, like those are two moments for me that really stick out with Greg of, okay, he was a little hard and tough and the we're done with this meeting, get out of my office. But then like having that true heart of, I can tell you're struggling, let's go for a drive. Like that is, that's just laid such a foundation for me in, in life and in relationships and how to treat people kind of not just in the business environment, but kind of in the personal on the personal side of things too. Well, Sarah, I do actually remember both of those. And um, I thought about the first one, uh, the, I think the guy's name starts with a J and I thought about him recently um, in a, in a, uh, in a similar thought process in the business that he's in. Anyway, it doesn't matter, but I remember. Um, but I think that goes just to, you know, having the connection with your folks of, of being able to read them. Um, maybe you were a little sassy that morning that I said, we're done. Get the hell out of here. Probably. And, and, and Tyler, <laughs> keep in mind, get out of here. was like walk down the hall. Cause we were in an old house. Go to the other bedroom. <laughs> right. right, right. Really <laughs> walk past the bathroom and go to the other bedroom. That's right. So we had a two bedroom uh, makeshift office, but it worked. So, well, Guys, I, I hate to, I, I can't believe it's 47 after the hour already, but yeah, it goes so quickly when we have fun. I mean, I've, I've had fun anyway. And um, it, it's, Sarah, thank you for, for taking time and, and talking with us. And, you know, I think you, you brought up some really great points, especially for the people that are coming into the workforce and may not know exactly um you know, how to go about that first job. And, you know, you said you had to make a leap of faith and, and 
you know, everybody doesn't get to see the turkey carving skills of their future boss right out of the gate. But true. Um, I still don't have any, by the way. Um, but, you know, you do, you know, you just sometimes you just got to go with your gut. And if it feels right, you got to go try it. And if it if it doesn't work, it's OK. Just leave it the right way. You know, don't don't have to be a jerk and leave. You can just simply in an adult-like manner, say, this isn't good for me. Let's figure out what's next. And that may be you exiting the company, but do it the right way. That's all. You know, I, I told you when, when you left and, and uh, you know, I, you can't expect the first job out of college to be somebody's career forever. I mean, sometimes that happens, but a lot of times it doesn't. And understanding that there's got to be a first. And if you're okay with being the first and knowing that it's going to be not forever, then that's okay. You gotta, you gotta be mature enough to handle that. And, um, you know, everybody handles it differently. It, when you're a small company and, and you have those relationships, yeah, it, it stings a little bit more, but it also feels better in the long run when you can sit here 15 years later and have this talk. So, I'm so down with that. Wow. Good stuff. Good stuff, you two. Well, and Tyler, you asked a few questions about folks entering the workforce and stuff like that. I feel like that could be a completely separate podcast because I, in my recruiting role right now, I see the good, the bad, and the ugly and how shocked I am by some of the, the lack of things that people do and know at this point as they're entering the workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, simple things that just send a thank you note, send, you know, Greg taught me the value of handwritten thank you notes, you know, some stuff is seems so simple, but um, that's a very, another long tangent we could go down. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe we say that, save that for the next one. We, yeah. How to win friends and influence customers. Oh, I think that's already been done. <laughs> we'll have to come up with an alternate title. <laughs> Maybe the marketing person can figure that out. There you go. Challenge like is on. Challenge accepted. All right, Tyler. I hate it, but take us to the take us to the house, man. Well, it was another uh, really really awesome episode. This was a blast, and so uh, Sarah, thank you again so much for for joining us here on this episode of uh, Straight Out of Crumpton. Thank you. Absolutely, and Greg, another one in the books. Um, but we'll be back soon. Yeah, I was looking at the calendar this morning. We got some cool folks coming up. Um, it really, I mean. There's some people joining us that I didn't think I would ever have the chance to talk to one-on-one. Um, you know, as famous as Sarah is, we got some equally famous people coming up too. So uh, they they do have three names as well, like Sarah Clark Hopford. So there we looking go. Forward to, looking forward to some more good conversations. So thank you. Thank you both. Really fun. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning into another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. Like Greg mentioned, got a lot on the calendar coming up. So stay tuned, stay, stay subscribed, and stay up to date with the latest episodes of Straight Out of Crumpton. And we'll see you again soon. Oh my-